The following podcast is a production of Mosaic in Whittier, California, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information about Mosaic gatherings and events, please visit mosaic.org. This is the series for three weeks called Essentials, and this is the essentials for marriage, like, like I know what I'm doing. But no one else was available, and so... <clears throat> Uh, Being married 32 years, I have learned one or two things of what not to do. And one of them is to learn to say, I'm sorry, honey. I didn't know what I was thinking over and over again. Um, In this this talk, this is is seriously for just a moment, because really it will be just a moment. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about love and finding your one true love and why I think you shouldn't marry that person. I'll say it again, because I, I know you think I'm kidding. Finding your one true love, but don't marry that person. Genesis chapter 29, 15 through 35. Here's what it says. Laban said to him, just because you are a relative of mine, should you work for me for nothing? Tell me what your wages should be. Now Laban had two daughters. The name of one was Leah. The name of the other was Rachel. Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful. Jacob was in love with Rachel and said, I'll work for you seven years in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban said, well, it's better that I give her to you than to someone, some other man, so stay here with me. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel. But, it, but they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. And then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife. My time is completed. I want to make love to her. Crass. Um, it's like telling your father-in-law on the wedding day, you know, hey, great, I want to make, you know, I'm going to have sex with your daughter tonight, you know. I mean, we know it, just don't say it. Weird, right? So Laban brought together all the people of the place and gave a feast. And when the evening came, he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob. Then Jacob made love to her, and Laban gave his servant Zilpah. Oops, where am I? I skipped something, didn't I? I don't know, 23? No, that's right. Okay. Now, oh, but when the morning came, there was Leah. So Jacob said to Laban, what, what, what is this you've done to me? I served you for Rachel, didn't I? Why have you deceived me? Laban replied, hey, it's not our custom around here, boy, to give the younger daughter in marriage before the older one. Finish this daughter's bridal week, then we'll give you the younger one, also return for another seven years of work. And Jacob did so. He finished the week with Leah, and then he, Laban gave his daughter Rachel to be his wife, and Laban gave his servant Bilhah to his daughter Rachel as her attendant. Jacob made love to Rachel also, and his love for Rachel was greater than his love for Leah, and he worked for Laban another seven years. Can you imagine being Leah at this point? I mean, it's pretty obvious you're not your husband's favorite, though that's a weird thing to say anyways, right? I know I'm not my husband's favorite. Weird. Comment. And you know, if, if you're a male or female, if there's some sort of like anger that kind of rises up in you, like, oh, I can't, this is what I don't like about the Bible. They're buying and selling women. It's because a woman is beautiful. It determines the course of her future and her history of life. Yeah, because see, we don't have that going on right now. A woman's beauty never determines the quality of her life at this time. Kim Kardashian. So uh, <laughs> when <clears throat> there's something something disgusting in the air here when the Lord saw that Leah was not loved he enabled her to conceive but Rachel remained childish child whatever no kids so Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son she named him Reuben for she said it is because the Lord has seen my misery surely my husband will love me now so she conceived again and when she gave birth to a son because the Lord heard that I am not loved so he gave me this one too 
So she named him Simeon. Again she conceived, and then, and when she gave birth to a son, uh, she said, Now at last my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. So uh, he was named Levi. She conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, this time she said, I will praise the Lord. So she named him Judah. Then she stopped having children. That's where she gets her praising God, right? Stop having kids. Actually, that is the reason why, and I'll tell you in just a moment why that's important. So if, if you don't know anything about this story, it sounds crazy and it kind of is. Let me just give you a little bit of context to pull out some of these principles about why you should not marry your one true love. Um, first of all, uh, Jacob's grandfather, uh, Abraham, gets this amazing promise that, he, that, that through his life, the, the entire world would be blessed and, and a savior, somebody who would make everything right, bring justice to the world, make nature correct, bring healing to nations, the, the, the person that would make the earth correct, as everyone envisions it to be correct, you know, the people that would actually fulfill the Occupy Wall Street movement, um, would be, come through his family line, and then it was through uh, Isaac, and then Jacob was the guy, he was supposed to have it, and, but his dad favored, Jacob's dad, Isaac favored his older brother Esau. So Jacob always lives in the shadow of his other brother. Now, I know many of us, we have no idea what that's like because there's, nobody has favorites in the family, right? And so some of us, and I was a middle child, so I, I, of course I, I had multiple issues. You know, there's that middle child thing going on. But some of you have had family members that, you know, you're just a regular person and your brother's an idiot, excels in everything. And so you're, why can't you be like your older brother? You know, and like, oh, because I'm not him. And, and it always makes me think and laugh and giggle when I think about Jesus. I was, How would you like to be in Jesus' family? Jesus is your older brother. Why can't you be like your brother Jesus? I'm not the son of God. Psh, don't you sass me, boy. <laughs> don't you blaspheme in this house. And for some reason, Mary's black. And then so, um, <laughs> head going sideways. And so, um, any rate, I said it. I said it. So, uh, so there's always weird family dynamics that go on all the time. And, and sometimes it's not a matter of favorites. It's sometimes one of the parents sort of clicks with one of the kids more than the other. So they're more similar. They have similar temperaments. And sometimes the similar temperaments causes more conflict. And, but in this particular household, it's a dif- dysfunctional, goofy family. But it's been going on for years. It'll go on for years after we left the planet. However, Jacob did value, he recognized that there was an an amazing value in being part of the line that would bring this person, this Messiah, this individual that would make everything right on the planet, Not not just justice issues, but also spiritual issues. Bring actual shalom to the planet, peace. Everything would go back to the way it was supposed to work. There wouldn't be any conflicts. Things would work out right. And, uh, So he devises a plan to trick his father, Isaac, um, to con him out of that deathbed blessing, which had a legal weight and a contractual weight to it. And as a result, he ends up losing the love of his mom because he never sees her again. He had had to leave. He's under a death threat from his brother Esau, who could kill him and probably would not shed a tear if he did. His father is angry with him. He doesn't have a family anymore, so there's no, there's no family to be ahead of. He has no money. All the inheritance that he wanted, he doesn't have any access to. He runs to see an uncle, Laban, and lo and behold, he's got some cousins. Must be the South. See, he's got cousins who, I said it, so that, uh, that, that oh my gosh, one of them is really hot. I mean, this is what it means to say that she had lovely in form. She was sexually attractive and beautiful. 
And her sister, Leah, the older one, was weak-eyed, which doesn't mean that she had, you know, poor vision. It, most likely, in many, it, it, she was either, you know, cross-eyed or she was just was homely. She just wasn't attractive. Imagine living in that shadow, where you're always in the shadow of your beautiful younger sister. And Laban is, has cast a deal with the reality. He's like, there is nobody that's going to marry this girl. How do I unload her? But that's the reality. How does Jacob deal and cope with this loss? Now, by the way, he's had an authentic, real encounter with the living God of Israel. This is not a man that's spiritually confused or in some sort of existential state of who am I, where do I belong? Now, I want to stress one point before you even get to the story, that even if you have a significant, powerful, real encounter with the God that lives... Self-discovery, self-awareness, and the cure for your inner emptiness at times takes time. This is why some of you have heard me say at times when people say, oh, I just really want this relationship. I really want this thing to work. I think think you're trying to fill in and load in a lot of freight and significance into finding your one true love. Now, here's I'm going to tell you what I think about this whole story, then I'll tell you why you should agree with me. We need love to redeem us. Now listen to what I'm saying. If you do not get that redemption from the Redeemer, you will load a lot of significance into love with another person to redeem you, to give you significance, to give you meaning, to, to validate your, all your screw-ups, to, to make it all right. Somebody loves me. Somebody finally loves me. And somehow then you have meaning. You're not a complete idiot. I mean, even Dean Martin sang that song, right? You're nobody until somebody loves you. And we really do think that. And so somehow we're just not complete or fulfilled or right until someone loves me. And this is why for some of you, um, because you have not really have, you you don't own your identity. You're still locked into somebody else's uh, definition of who you are and what you are. When you are not in a relationship, you are not, you cannot not be in a relationship. Even if it's a shoddy one, you're going to be in a relationship because you cannot not have someone define you. So, Love does redeem us, restores us, gives us a name, gives us an identity. And if it's God's love, it's healthy. When it's somebody else or something else, it's going to be unhealthy. And then when that relationship breaks off, you know, of course, you know, you're hurt, you're lonely, it it feels bad. We get that, but not to be devastated by it. It's a difference. So how does he cope with it? Well, you know, he... Um, we'll look at the cost of this. So he loses all of that. He sees this woman, and he loves the cousin, and, he, and Laban says, hey, since you're going to work for me, you know, even though you're family, you don't have to work for free. Give me a price. I'll be willing to pay you. Oh, I want your, I want, you can't even say it like I can. I want Rachel. Give me Rachel, man. How mu- you know, how much for Rachel? Now, the, typically, it would have been about 30 shekels, 30 to 40 shekels to buy your bride. That was the bride price, which is the language you get in the New Testament but Jesus paid for his bride, us. What's the bride price? Shekel, shekel and a half a month of work. So three years, he could have bought Rachel as a bride, even at the 40 shekel mark, you know, at, even at the high prices. So when he says, I'll work for her seven years, he's not even trying to negotiate. He's just emotionally, sexually attracted and, and attached to Rachel. He wants her. Why? Because if I get Rachel, finally, I have somebody who loves me. 
In a film we saw a couple weeks ago, it was from, it was from France. You know, there was this remark, a poet, that, that spoke about every man is, is, is missing or, or, or uh, mourning the loss of his mother's love, and every woman's embrace is just a condolences. He's just trying to re- replace that. It's a very existential way of putting it, but well, I can get there. I can see what he's saying. And for, and for Jacob, though, he's, he might say he's acting French at this moment. He wants a family. He wants a connection. He's lost his mother's love. So he's, he's, he, he's, he has nothing, a man about a country, a man about a family. Who does he belong to? Who will love him? Here's this amazing woman. She's hot. It helps. And if I can have her, I'm something. So he does. He works for her seven years. And, and then verse 21, that kind of a crass, awful statement. Why, why does he say that? Because he's just, it's just overwhelmed with emotional and sexual attraction to this woman. And so, you know, if you're wondering, well, how could he not know it was Leah, not Rachel, at the party? It would be because of the custom she would have been veiled all day long during the ceremony, during the party. And then, you know, a few drinks. There's no electricity. Take her into the tent to have sex. And oh, I, it's Rachel. I love you, Rachel. In the morning, Leah! And he's ticked off, which I get, right? You're calling out the name of one person, and it's somebody else. Bummer, you know? Awkward. And so there's the cause. He, you know, it's not somebody who just is emotionally crippled. It's all of us. We all want or have this thing that once I get this car, this set of clothes, no, clothes are okay, uh, this, you know, this, if I live in this zip code, if I, if I get this degree, if I have that title, then I'll, have, I'll be significant. I'll have, I'll have something that makes up for all the goofiness and everything else that I've done stupidly or have done wrong, right? We've all had those. You know, and what's, here's what's funny about it. It's Rachel to us, but in the morning it'll always be Leah. So here's the collapse. So, uh, so he goes to Laban. Laban, you know, have you ever, how did Laban think he was going to get away with this? But if you look at the context of uh, with the story we just read, when he, Jacob, tells his uncle Laban that he's going to work for Rachel seven years, Laban never says yes. He just says, well, it's better for you to have her than somebody else, which is not yes. It sounds like yes if you want to hear yes, but it's not really yes. And so he works seven years and he ends up getting Leah. Now here's what's interesting to me, that, that the phrasing about, hey, we don't uh, marry off the younger here before the, you know, for the older. That's not what we do here. It's a similar situation that he would have remembered from his own family dynamic. Look, anytime he wanted to get angry about this whole situation, I can't believe that you actually disguised yourself. You mean like you did. Because if you know the story, Esau was a ginger <laughs> in the Middle East. Like, that didn't stick out like a sore thumb. So, um, and he was hairy, as they invariably are. And so, uh, so he had to, <laughs> not human. So he had to put animal skin on and stuff from outside to smell like an outdoors kind of guy. Gross, Right. Because it said about Jacob that he preferred to be in the tents near the women. So I'm just thinking, I get that, cleaning, you know, wanted to stay fresh. So, um, so Esau was a woodsy man's man, and so he had to put on animal skins and talk, hello, dad, I'm Esau, you know, and go and pretend to his aging father that he was Esau to get the deathbed blessing. 
hey, Jacob, you can get ticked off about this, but this is what, you know, now you know what it feels like to be deceived, to be exploited, to be lied to. Yes, but I called out your name in the middle of the night. You mean like your dad did. Esau, is that you? And you said, yes, it's me, Esau. What have you done to me? What have you done? Oh, the very words that God uses to talk to uh, Adam in the garden. What have you done? Why have you deceived me? The words that Esau used to hit with him. No matter how angry Jacob wants to get, nothing has happened to him that he didn't do to his dad. So you have to feel the sting of this where he wants to be angry for being lied to. It's like, oh, oh, I did this too. You ever had those moments when you're yelling at somebody for being so dishonest? I mean, like the way you worked me off in that stereo or, you know, <laughs> I can't believe you're doing this. You're selling this, this illegal. You mean like the way you're, you're, you know, burning DVDs and selling them at the Santa Fe Springs swap meet? You know, come on. <laughs> That's the laughter familiarity right there, folks. <laughs> so at any rate, poor Leah. Where's Rachel? I mean, I, so your dad comes to you and says, hey, I know it's your wedding day. Um, there's been a change in the schedule. And so Rachel is who knows where, and Leah's getting dressed up for the, for the wedding. Makeup, hair, curlers, whatever. Whatever. So she's getting all that for the wedding. And I'm sure, I've I got to wonder, what is she thinking? Like, geez, what's going to happen tonight? When will, when will he realize that it's not really me? But, you know, common sense will tell you, partying all day, drinking most of the night, no electricity, Probably not for a while. He's not going to know for a while. You're okay. You're safe. Your secret's safe for at least till in the morning when he sobers up and he's looking for menudo. <laughs> but let me ask you a question. <clears throat> Between Rachel and Leah, who's actually Jacob's soulmate? Who's lived in the shadow of a sibling? Who's been rejected? Who's the one that's not been the favorite? Who's the one that's always had to fight for their place in the family? Leah. Leah's actually Jacob's soulmate. Lee and Jacob actually get each other. They should get each other. They're actually the same. They know what it's like to not be the pretty girl that dance or not be the athletic you know, kid in the family where, where all the other men are athletes or the guys that, you know what I mean? You, you, not that not that's a, my, my story, but, <laughs> but uh, fortunately my parents favored uh, art and creativity so that I fit right in. Um, but uh, you know, it, it's, it's not as if they would not have uh, known what each other's pain would have felt like. But Jacob wasn't interested in her. And apparently not many other men were either. Now, from a woman's point of view, I guess I'm thinking, all of these years, well, it, just, it, 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 gets, it gets sadder, I'm going to tell you in a moment. My father has really laid on me an identification that I've lived under all these years. I think the one you know, heavy weight of responsibility I've thought of as being a parent, especially with my daughter, is knowing that in some ways, well, you guys are going to do this. Those of you who don't have kids yet are not married. You're, you, you know, you, 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 if you're still angry with your parents and you're still processing that stage in your life, you probably often think, when I have my kids, I'm not going to do them like my parents, like, like they did to me, right? And you probably won't because you'll screw them up in some other way. Um, However, what I have noticed is that often when people say, I'm not going to do the thing to, to my kids that my dad did to me, you, you might not do the exact thing, but your effect's going to be the same. Because of just the way what's happened to you. So, but for Leah, what makes me feel, you know, like 
tender and, and, and wishing to sort of protect her and like, you know, like, is knowing how her dad has probably so screwed her, her own self-image and who she was and what her value was. But not, I mean, to a degree, the value in the community was how many sons and kids you could produce. At least being attractive while you did it. And uh, she's the older daughter. She's got to be married off. And, and, and if you think that this is something you know, odd and strange and in the past, uh, how many of you read that article a couple weeks ago about these 200 plus young women in India who had their name changed from not wanted to an actual name? Because they were, you know, girls are, don't really have an economic value in India. It still continues to a large extent. And... I recognize that you could say, gosh, you know, religion, Christianity specifically has sort of subordinated women. Well, I, I, I can see where you might think that to a degree, but I, I say to you women that, that honestly, you're not thinking it really completely through. The only reason why you would feel a sense of, of anger over the subjection of women is because of Jesus Christ who brought liberty and elevated our view of women uh, and influenced uh, the West to do so um, yeah but she's in an awful position and every time she has this kid I mean whether she was not attractive or not didn't stop Jacob apparently um, there's almost this, this hope that Jacob will love her every single kid oh you know and, and, and it's interesting in the passage when when it says that God realized that Leah wasn't loved, so he enabled her to have children. In, in a literal way, what it really meant is, since she wasn't loved, he loved her. God loved her. See, here's the big story. When God looks down at all of humanity, here's this beautiful woman, physically attractive, beautiful face, and the ugly girl at the dance, he picks her to be in the line of the Messiah. See, I, and I, I get it. Men or women, we're going to have a view of ourselves that is not always healthy. You, you've heard me say this, right? We have two videos in our head. One is extremely complimentary. The other one is com- extremely horrible. Neither one of them are true. But often we live in the one where it's awful. And we have random thoughts going through our head. We pull down the ones that, 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 that validate the particular video we're watching that day of ourselves. And, um, yeah, so how, how is she coping with her inner emptiness? Reuben, finally, maybe my husband will see me. Simeon, maybe finally my husband will listen to me. Levi, maybe my, my husband will finally love me. I mean, it, you know, when you read it, it's just heartfelt. Poor thing. All she wanted was what? A man to love her. Now, I know none of you women get that, right? It's completely Middle Eastern. So foreign to your thinking. I'll tell you, the flip side is, as men, we want that too. You know the best, the best, the, one of the uh, most interesting examples of seeing the effect of a woman's love for a man is the, um, well, there's a lot of movies. One of them is Spider-Man. Remember the one where he, he's going to marry Kristen Dunst? What's her name in that movie? MJ? Okay. And, uh, you know, but he has to give up the Spider-Man thing, whatever, and, and so he says he's going to do that, and then there's a siren. It's in the movie, and he, she says, go get him, Tiger. Remember that? And he's like, he leaps into action, right? You know, that's the positive effect of a woman on a man's life. But often, and you've heard me say this at weddings, you know, I said, oh, because you know he loves you, you have control over him. 
But use your power for evil, not you know, use your power for good, not evil. Because women, you can also get destroy men by your words. All it takes is a look. <laughs> not with me and my wife, though. <laughs> yeah, hell no. But at any rate, <laughs> five two, still afraid of her. <laughs> So she wants to be loved by a man who's making love to his sister. Isn't that weird? She wants to be loved by a man who loves the woman whose shadow she's been in all her life. That's crummy. That's some Jerry Springer stuff right there, brother. (laughs) So Rachel almost has nothing to do with it. I mean, she's just a pretty girl that everybody hates. Um... Come on, you know you do. And then, because uh, it, it, it's not, a, come on, when people are attractive, they know it. You don't have to be a good person when you're attractive. You can get away with so much. This is why people that are really attractive and, and sexually, uh, 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 you know, winsome, sometimes, I know it's a prejudice, I know it's, it's a broad stroke, you don't even have to be a good person because you can get away with so much. <laughs> Some of you are like, that's not, that's not true. <laughs> Please. And, and uh, you know, and you look at Jacob, you look at Laban, you look at poor Leah. We're the heroes in this story. Who, who do you look up to? And that's the point of the story. Nobody. You know who the only hero is here in this whole story? Starts with a G. Ends with a D. It's got one vowel in the middle. Someone just say it, please. God. He loves the person that is unlovely. Picks the one that no one else picks. And oversees the shortcomings of everybody else's life. The moral of the story is that you don't have to have morals to get into God's story. I, wanna, I went real fast on that one. I want to slow it down. The moral of this story is that you don't have to have any morals to be in God's story. You can't sleep your way out of God's story. You can't be slutty enough. You can't be crappy enough. You can't be a cheat enough. You can't be awful, cowardly, prideful, arrogant enough for God to say, Ooh, I can't love you. In some ways, poor Leah, understandably, because um, we've, we've all done this in different ways. I've done this. She has made Jacob her savior. If Jacob loves me, I'm somebody. If so-and-so loves me, I'm somebody. Once I get my degree, I'm somebody. Once I actually drive that car, I'm somebody. It is a a bit of wisdom to recognize that you will be disappointed in life. Uh, And whenever someone makes the assumption that this will make my life right or this person will make my life right, it is is a huge, I mean, you could just set your clock to it. I give that three months. I give that three months. (laughs) Three months. Um, You don't have to be smart to do this. I give that three months for because it, it, the, the magic wears off. It's oh, it's always Leah in the morning, isn't it? We go to bed with Rachel, we wake up with Leah. We always are hoping for Rachel in the morning, but we get Leah. There's no knowledge. There's no lover. There's no clothes. No car. No home. Nothing will be Rachel in the morning. It's always Leah in the morning until 
Leah does something that many of us never get to because we don't have the courage to because we don't believe it's gonna, it, it actually works. And that is she finally placed all that passion, all that hope, all the weight of, of the significance that she hoped to get from Jacob and put it on God. And she had her fourth son, Judah. And it was no longer, oh, I hope my husband will see me. I hope my husband will listen to me. I hope my husband will love me. She said, you know what? I'm just going to praise God. I get to be in the family line. I know my meaning. I know my significance. And she, wasn't, she didn't allow her life to be defined any longer by those other men. She allowed God to define her life. And you know what? She took her life back. And it's interesting that I find in that story, when she, has, when she has this fourth child, I will finally praise God. I will love God for who I am. Now I know my Savior. And she uses the same words from the covenant that God used to describe himself back in Exodus. The Lord, the Lord. Gracious, slow to anger. And here's what's interesting. She stopped having babies. Why? Because she found in God what she was supposed to have. See, it's also what God did in her, the change, and then for her was the liberation. So now here's that part of the study, which is typically what every pastor is supposed to do, and ask questions plaintively, seriously, solemnly. So who's your Rachel? What's your Rachel? Have you ever thought about that? What's the thing do you think? That if I had that, things would be okay. See, here's what I'm going to suggest to you. Um, if, you're, if you tend to be conservative, you're going to have more of a traditional way of looking at this. You're going to say, boy, my, I need to, you know, if I had a family, if I take care of my children, if I do my duty, you know, then, then I have meaning, then I have significance. I'm somebody. No, you're just a person that's trying to please God on your terms and then demand a payment like a Pharisee. You are, you are the elder son in the prodigal son story. You're demanding God to do something for you because you've done something right. I remember so clearly, I'm surprised that it gets struck with lightning. I was doing, quote, my duty for many, many years in another church, which will remain nameless. <laughs> and things just went in the toilet. I mean, it was just one awful thing after the other. I'm driving my car on the freeway. You know the Orange Crush, right? That place where every other car was so the Mississippi goes to for no damn reason. It just goes there, right? And I was sitting there. It was hot. The car was overheating. And I, and I, I rear-ended somebody on top of everything else. It was a Mercedes. It was an old one, but it was a Mercedes. <laughs> and I remember thinking, is this what you do to your servant? I actually said that. I mean, the arrogance involved in that, making that statement, is stunning to me. Why? Because I actually thought, well, I was doing a good thing. I've been, I've been a good man. I've been, I, I've been paying my taxes, going to work, supporting my family. Don't I deserve to have a pain-free life? You know what the answer is? No. Now, if you're more fluid or liberal or flexible in the way you view morality, and I'm not saying liberal means is awful. It's not synonymous with awful. It just means generous. Um, you would probably sleep around more. You have more, rela- you have more relationships to find that love, that meaning. You're, you, you might have a bit more sensuality. You, I might even tend to be more artistic, to be very frank with you, because there's this sense that um, if, um, if duty and traditions and family don't cut it for me and holding a job, who wants to do that? Well, then it, it's, in, it's in pleasure, it's in beauty, it's in art, it's in relationships, it's in sex. 
See, I, I don't really have a reaction or judgment to it one way or the other because I recognize we're just both trying to do the same thing. We're just trying to find meaning. Somebody love me. Somebody give me significance. Somebody tell me that I'm worth it. That all my screw-ups are not as bad. That even though I've, I've been kind of stupid, that I, can, I, I have something somewhere that's working finally for me. So if you're rejected by a human being who you thought would, would live with you, would love you, make everything right, you're usually going to go those two options. Conservative option or more liberal option, but you'll pick one or the other because you have to have it. We have to have something like this that defines us. If, hear me, if you don't get it from God. Now, you recall at the beginning I said, hey, if you find your one true love, don't marry them. See, because your one true love is God. Some of you have been to the weddings I've officiated. You've heard me say to the guy, hey man, your job from this day forward is to fall deeply in love with, commit to, and serve. And now everyone's waiting for the punchline, you know, the wife's name. I always say Jesus. Because until you are in a position to receive the love of Jesus, you will never be able to love your wife in a healthy fashion. And you will expect of her something that only God can give you. Significance. See, no human relationship can sustain the weight of Godhood. Jay McGuire, you complete me? That whole thing people were signing it and then they said it at the end. That signing. Is a big, fat, stupid lie. Don't believe that. It's nonsense. It's, it's a lie. Nobody completes you. That's, that's an impossible task for a mere mortal. Only God completes you. But if you have this notion, oh, once I marry this woman, ooh. That's how I was on my wedding day. Ooh, I couldn't even talk. So, um, what's wrong with you, son? So, uh, uh, or, you, or this guy, I, 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 you're, you're headed for problems. Because that man, that woman, can never meet the expectation of God. Never. Never. In fact, let me just take a slight divergence also. I'm going to suggest this is exactly what happens in either heterosexual or even gay relationships. We're still looking for someone to love us. Three weeks ago, having this conversation with a friend, you know, they, they said this phrase as they were struggling, working through stuff, you know, some of the relationships that haven't gone well and just, you know, mismanaging a bit of her sexual life, just, you know, I just want someone to love me. I was afraid, I remember thinking, ah, I get that. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm praying and hoping that you understand that God already does. And then you don't have to hate yourself in the morning for who you slept with. So it's not just sex, but it, I think most of us try to remedy that inner emptiness. Even as followers of Jesus... Because that, some of that stuff doesn't get fixed right away. Or, you know, if, if you are too good to sin, then you just you do it another way. You do it by being good. Either way, let me recap this. Love does redeem us. But if we don't get it from our Redeemer, we look for romantic love. For meaning and significance. If we don't have a relationship, then we look forward in things that we do or own or we become. And none of it is able to sustain the, 
the, the Godhead responsibility of giving us meaning and significance. It's just not able to do so. In this particular story, there are no heroes. The only hero here is God, who chooses the one that no one else chooses, who demonstrates over and over for all these men and these other people here that you don't have to have good morals to get into God's story. That that's the moral of the story. That God comes into our story with our lack of morals. And then finally, I guess, we'd have to ask ourselves on a regular basis, you know, just take the mental inventory. What is it, what is it that you, I mean, if, if you kind of feel like you're in a funk today, like, yeah, my life's not working right now. Maybe that's why you came to church today. My life's not working. I need a shot of something. What is it, what would be, what's, what's missing? That if you had it, things would be good. Now, what I'm going to suggest to you, whatever you put into that blank, if it's not God, it's Rachel. And in the morning, it'll be Leah. Poor Leah, she's become this negative thing. Poor. When we get to heaven, apologize. Hey, I'm sorry. Ooh, oh, oh no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Awful. I'm, I'm shocked of all of you for laughing at that. <laughs> Let's pray before I keep talking and really embarrass myself. Father, thank you for being good to us and good in a way that just absolutely, as Paul says, exceeds our, our, even our imagination, exceedingly exceeds our imaginations of how good you are to us. Now, here's what I pray. I pray for every man in here who's looking to define himself by what he owns, by what he accomplishes, by who he sleeps with, by who he marries, by what he drives, by, by physical strength, by, by how much you know, liquor he can knock back. I, I, I'm praying for that guy that he would find his significance and his meaning in, in his true manhood in your son, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. I pray for every young woman who has slept and looking for, looking for love in all the wrong places with, with men or women looking for that person that would love her and appreciate her and care for her and protect her. I pray that she would find her true beauty, her true significance because of your son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Those of us who, you know, we're working through our self-discovery issues, our inner emptiness issues, I pray that you would help us remember this story that, that you know, who are we making a Rachel? Or what are we making a Rachel out of? That will be Leah in the morning. Um, help us to search for you to give us our significance, our identity, our name. And I do thank you that you do rescue us from all the madness and the pursuit of significance. Not to be taken lightly. You give us more than just rules to not be naughty, but you give us a life. You liberate us from the mess. And the identities that so many else, so many other people have put on us from our parents on, you give us our true name. And for that we love you. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this production by Mosaic Whittier, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information about Mosaic gatherings and events, please visit mosaic.org.